everyone. Welcome to Chronicles, Strapped to the Bumper of Life. Today we're going to be doing Chapter 12, Harley Davidson in the Redneck Words. Or in that case, in my words. Um, we're going to start out with a little joke. Uh, I worked for the local dealer for 11 years, and uh, this was the only joke that ever stuck in my mind. And that would be, what is the difference between a Harley Davidson and a Hoover vacuum cleaner? Tell me. The Hoover vacuum cleaner, the dirt bag is removable. <laughs> I like <laughs> that, that. That's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> now, in the 11 years that I worked for the, well, it was one dealer when I went to work there, and then they sold out to another dealer, and I worked for them for the balance of the time. Uh, we used to get this free newspaper. It was called Thunder Press. And the thing was thick. It was over a half inch thick. It was wow. 75 to 100 pages, most issues. And it was two feet by 14 <laughs> inches. It was, And it opened up. Right. Okay. And in 2003, well, the summer of 2002, because Harley-Davidson model year back then ran... August 1st through July 31st. So the August edition of the Thunder Press for 2002 was, center page was, what can we give the motor company, which by the way, if you work for Harley-Davidson, they don't call it Harley-Davidson, they call it the motor company. <laughs> okay. What do we give the motor company for its 100th birthday and they said, we want to tell their story in our words. Right. So they did a decade every, uh, every pretty much a decade every issue. And from what I read and what I remember here is my rendition of, of how it went. And for me, the most interesting part of it was the way they got started. And what Mr. Hart, one of, there were, there was one Mr. Harley and there were three Mr. Davidsons and they had grown up beside each other because their families owned home beside each other. And two of the Davidson brothers, one went to work for Schwinn bicycles back in around 1900. And one of the other brothers went to work for the railroad and they were both design engineers and they had moved away. That left one Davidson brother, and William A. Harley. And Mr. Harley became infatuated, or no, Mr. Davidson, excuse me, I haven't told this story in a long time. <laughs> Mr. Davidson became infatuated with a moped type vehicle that he had seen and talked to Mr. Harley about it. And they pooled their mama don't know money together and they went and bought a used one. And it was an Italian vehicle, and it was called a Merkel. Hmm. And it was an Italian-made bicycle with an engine strapped to it that you had to pedal it to get the engine to go, and it fired up the motor when you get pedaled it to where the motor would fire up, and then the motor would run the bicycle, motorcycle, moped, whatever you want to call it. And um, Mr. Davidson had a wood shop in the basement of his house. Now, to get to the basement of his house, you actually had to go through the kitchen because <laughs> there wasn't outside stairs at that time. 
not, not a, they weren't popular anyway. And so they drug this motorcycle. This was around 1900. They drug this motorcycle down into the basement. They took all the wood shop tools and shoved them over in the corner. They put this thing up on a workbench and they took it apart to try to figure out how it worked. Because engines weren't very popular at this time period. Wasn't a lot of motors. Most of your car franchises hadn't even gone into business yet. Right. Ford wasn't in business. None of the General Motors brands were in business. Chrysler wasn't in business. Mercedes-Benz was the first one. Mr. Daimler, who called it Mercedes-Benz. Um, so they take this thing apart, and they start talking to the other two brothers. And they get the one brother who works for Schwinn to design a frame that the motor actually sits in the frame instead of being strapped to it which put them ahead of a lot of people because they went about things a much different way than everybody else did. Because even Indians' first vehicles were frames with engines strapped to them and you had to pedal them to get the motor to work and then it it would fire up and it would move the vehicle. But they got the one brother to make them a frame from his Schwinn bicycle job. (laughs) He got it to them. Um, They built a motor of their own it took them three prototypes to get one to climb a hill. Wow. And this had progressed. Now you're talking, it's taking them two, they're two years into this. So it's 1902. And they're finally starting to get this project to move forward. And the two other Davidson brothers are really interested in this. So they move back to Milwaukee and take jobs there and they spend all their extra time in the basement at the old Davidson house. And so did the neighbors and the kids and everybody else. And of course, because they're machining things and there's oil involved, there's gas involved, but they all have this in the basement. You have to go through the kitchen. Yeah. Question. Yes. The movie that they made about that, I watched it. I watched it a couple times. How accurate is the movie detail-wise what actually happened? What movie? They made a movie about Harley Davidson, the brothers, a long time ago. You never saw it? I've never seen that movie. Oh my God, yes. It was like two nights they showed it. And all well, I know the History Channel did something on them. Yeah, it was how they got started and all like that. I was wondering if you've seen that, see how accurate no. the movie was. It was like a documentary. Right. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of the History Channel documentary yeah. on on Harley Davidson. Uh, I've never got to see it. Okay. I, I would. It, it didn't last long. I mean, it was it was like a two-parter on one night, and the conclusion was on the next night. Right. Now, th- this Thunder Press thing, this is their opinion of what happened. Right. The brothers did not keep the best records. A lot of it's hearsay. And so there's no real, they didn't start keeping records of things till like 1904, 1905. They started keeping records at that point. But what made things really different back then is because there were no standards for anything. Okay, there were no license plates. There were no serial numbers. There there was none of that stuff. (laughs) Okay, a lot of the stuff didn't even have lights on it. They didn't have brake lights. They didn't have turn signals. They had mirrors. 
uh, all the stuff that vehicles have today that people have thought up and added to them over the years, they didn't exist in the early 19, you know, 1900, one, two, three, four, five. You know, someone thought up the brave idea one day, oh, we need to put lights on this car so we can see where we're going if the sun goes down. <laughs> and I've, ha- I've had a couple people tell me that when I would tell them this story, they, uh, they would go, well, that's not correct. Well, how do you know it's not correct? I would ask them that question and both of them I had two people say that to me standing in Orlando Harley Davidson in their showroom because they go well what's the history of that building out there because when they first opened that shop up they had a replica of the shack which is what the guys called the building that they Mm -hmm. built their first bike in uh, outside and after I read this article I'm going holy crap this would be fun to tell people they're the only two who ever reviewed it everybody else is going Oh, wow, that's cool. Well, I kept those magazines. I had all 12 of them. I kept them for about five or six years. I finally got rid of them in like 07 or 08. And I'd read it like five times, each one of them. (laughs) So to move forward with that, after the neighborhood and all the brothers and all the nephews and all the kids and everybody has been tracking metal shavings and oil and gasoline through Mrs. Davidson's kitchen, when they ruined her floor, she threw them out. <laughs> and this was late 1902, early 1903. The boys got together. They went to the local lumber, lumber yard. And they bought a stack of used lumber. And they assembled it in the backyard. There was two windows in it. They were in the sides. Because right. the workbench was against the back. And there was only one door at that time on the building. And after they got done, Mr. Davidson, William A. Davidson's oldest daughter, who worked at the factory her entire life. She did, she painted letters on motorcycles and did pinstripes her entire life. She retired from the factory. They had a little building on the side of the house that they kept painting things like that in. She goes over to that building. She gets a can of black paint. She gets a paintbrush. She walks up to the building and she paints Harley Davidson Motor Company on the door. <laughs> wow. So the hearsay by these people by Thunder Press's account is is that a 16-year-old girl named the company. Cuz a lot of folks would always go, well there were 3 Davidsons and only one Harley. Why is it Harley Davidson? Well, Harley Davidson sounds better than Davidson yes, Harley. Harley. <laughs> and I'm sure, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. So I, I am, sh- I can't be sure, but it just makes a lot of sense that a 16 year old girl would word it that way because it sounded better. better. They went on to produce four motorcycles that year, and they had a dealership in Chicago that sold their first bike. Was I think it was August 22nd in 1903? Because I mean, you could buy a Model A. They came out the same year for thousand bucks, I think. Thousand dollars back then was a lot of money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, a few hundred dollars. I don't remember. I don't know the exact dollar amount that the first Harley Davidson sold for. I can tell you that they have found one of those four motorcycles. They believe, because again, there were there's they didn't keep records. Right. There were no serial numbers, so there was no way to track it. Now, in 1997, there's this family calls Milwaukee. 
and says, our grandfather just passed away and we live in Kansas and we're cleaning out his barn. And we found what we believe is a very early Harley Davidson single cylinder motorcycle. It's painted black. Looks like the seat was tan. And uh, it's in fairly decent shape. The motor's seized up. We were wondering if you folks would be interested in it. They got two guys and a truck. <laughs> they sent them to Kansas. They verified what it was. They bought it from the people. They take it back to Milwaukee. research and development department, which is one of the most secure places on the planet. People think banks are secure. Try to get into research and development at anybody's factory. That was 97. Uh, I was there in 2003. After they'd had a celebration and everything, I was up there in the fall for a training course. It was the end of October. And the what used to be a assembly building at uh, 37th Avenue in Juneau in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is now an administrative building for the motor company. You have to, you walk up a, a set of steps, a landing, another set of steps, you go in the front door. They have like a breezeway where you can put your coat, your galoshes and things like that. And there's a couple benches in there for you to sit on. And you look to the right and there's another room. And at that point, in time in that room was a 2003 black and silver fat boy and then there was the single cylinder motorcycle that they got from kansas and as they took that bike apart when they took they took the engine apart on it when they opened the engine cases and looked at on the inside of the casing that housed the crank there was a die cast number one pounded into each case so they feel that that is either the first motorcycle or it is one of the first four. Right. They're not sure because the guys didn't keep records They and they weren't present, so nobody knows 100%, but they call that bike number one. And I'm here to say I've, I've been fascinated with motorcycles since I was five or six years old when I saw my first Honda Z50 some people moved in across the street from us and they had a nine-year-old boy and he had one. They rolled that thing out of the back of the truck and he started up, took off across the yard and all I did was vibrate. <laughs> that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. Well, it's the coolest thing I'd ever seen at that point. Oh my God, they make motorcycles for people my size. I thought to myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm here to tell you that that motorcycle... They painted it back its original black, the tan leather seat, the tan belt that you had to pedal it yet to get the engine running. And then when the engine started to run, you had to engage a lever, which engaged the belt that ran from the motor to the back wheel. And then the motor would power the motorcycle. 
and it was actually it was not strapped to the frame it was actually made the frame was made to have the engine put in it right. it had white knobby tires laced wheels it had the big beach bars on it with the tan <laughs> grips and the tan seat and the belt was tan and all the aluminum on it was polished to chrome and I have never in my life seen a more beautiful motorcycle than number one. And that bike sits in, they built a museum after that in Milwaukee. And that bike sits in the museum in a case that the glass is two or three inches thick because they value that motorcycle as priceless because they feel it could possibly be the very first one that they ever built. Wow. So. What do you, what do you think they paid for? I'm sure they offered to people because the Sturgis Museum at right after that bought a 1904 that they verified was a 1904 somehow. 04 or 05, I can't remember because it was in the book as well. That they paid over $300,000 for. So that puts this motorcycle, if it is truly number one, they can't find two, three, and four, so they can't open up the engine cases and verify if they're two and three and four. So they have, again, hearsay makes it number one. Right. But it's, uh, how do you put a price tag on that? Because there's nothing else to compare it to. I'm going to go with priceless. Well, yeah, I would think so. Because it's, if you ever go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you're into motorcycles and you don't go to the Harley-Davidson Museum, you're only hurting yourself. Well, I'm sorry. I went years, years ago. It was with my first wife that we were doing stuff. I went to Milwaukee, but we didn't have time. Well, the museum wasn't built then. Back then? Uh, well, okay. But the, the plant was there, but we didn't have time. Yeah, because we, yeah. we had to go downtown Chicago, but you know, we went right in to Milwaukee and met some of the trainers for the Milwaukee Brewers. And, oh, good for you. And stuff like that, So, but didn't, didn't have the opportunity to uh, go to the plant. So I hate it, but you know maybe down the road I, I can eventually do that. Well, and the engine plant is north of town. And they do something there that's really neat that nobody else offers. And Harley-Davidson offers what they call a remand program for their Evolution motors and their twin cam motors. And what the remand program is, you drop your bike off at your local Harley-Davidson dealer, the service department orders a crate from Milwaukee, it's an orange box, and when the crate arrives, they take the dry sump, which is the cylinders and the crank, and the cam case, out of your Harley-Davidson motorcycle. They load it in the crate. They cover it up. It gets shipped in Milwaukee. They take it apart there, and they completely disassemble it, and they redo the crank, rods, pistons, rings, new cams, new cam bearings, they completely rebuild the whole inside of it by people who are trained to build them when they're brand new. Right. They clean it all up, they put it back in the box, they ship it back to the dealer, dealer installs it in the motorcycle, 
and you have a remanufactured dry sump in your Harley Davidson mm. to hopefully get another evolution style motorcycles were supposed to be rebuilt every 60,000 miles. Shovel heads were supposed to be done every 30. That's what I was told. I've never read it in print, but in the time I worked there, that was the progression that they said. And a twin cam, I've had people tell me they have Evos that have lived. I used to work with a guy, he swore he had 189,000 miles on his soft tail, and they'd never rebuilt the sump on it. Wow. And seeing guys with 200,000 miles on a twin cam, 88, and them still running like a champ. It's, it's all up to servicing. If you change the oil when it's supposed to, you use the recommended motorcycle oil by Harley-Davidson, um, and you don't let it sit and overheat. Because when you get into crowds, like if you go to Bike Week or Sturgis or um, Laconia, places like that, D- Daytona's the worst because there's all these traffic lights and you've got four, 500,000 people shoved into an area that right, yeah. only has... You know, 30, 40, 50,000 people live in it. When you shove 20 times the population in the area and you try to get downtown or down on Main Street where all the parties are going on and all the bars are, uh, your bike sits there and idles. And when it's an air cooled engine and one cylinder hides behind the other and it's not moving and it's only idling, the oil pump isn't up to speed and the rear cylinder can turn red with heat it can get so hot and when it does that it's going to shut off because it's hot it's not getting (laughs) lubricated right you do stuff that to your engine it's not going to last as long but if you take care of it and you know use it for what it's made for and that is to ride down the road not sit in traffic uh, they last a lot longer um A great point with them was that I always felt was a huge thing is uh, they also mentioned in there by the 1920s, the three brothers and Mr. Harley, which they felt Mr. Harley was one of the family. They ever needed to make a decision that involved the factory, which they all four ran. Um, They would meet between the four of them and they would not make a decision without all four of them talking it out. So they, they managed to work together and they, they managed to live through World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, and they they all worked there until they basically felt they couldn't work anymore. They were all there into the forties and fifties. So they ran the company for five decades, which is a long time. And they were all into riding and they weren't so much into racing. Harley was not into racing like Indian was. Indian was huge into racing, especially back in the board track days. And then into the hill climbing. Well, hill climbing was Harley's and Indians. They didn't get into the flat track stuff. Well, it went board track racing, hill climbing, then endurance racing. And it was not to see how fast you go. It was to see who could go the farthest, the fastest. Indian won most of those races because their primaries and a lot of their stuff was built very differently from everybody else. 
the documentary I watched, it showed that the Indians kicking their butts and they were getting frustrated. You know, they kicked they, everybody's butt. Yeah. I well, yeah. The, the primary drive, you know, you've got the cylinders and that spins the crank. Okay. And the crank spins the primary. Primary drives the transmission. Transmission drives the back wheel. Now, Indian's primary, and I work for Indian today, and Indian primaries are gear-driven. Harley-Davidson primaries are chain-driven. Now, it looks like three sets of chains that are intertwined together, but when they break, they break. It's really hard to break gear-driven. <laughs> okay, There are too many gear-driven things that break for just no reason. The Indians weren't the fastest, but they were the most reliable. And they would start the race, and they would finish the race. And that is why, on the, in the endurance racing time, and up into the flat tracking, and of course Daytona started uh, 1938, I think was the first year they had a race there. And Indian won more races from 38 to the late 50s than Hardy did and Indian went out of business in 53 and they still kept winning races with scouts scouts were the ones winning the races because they were thinner they weighed less they could pick up speed better you could modify them uh, they were much different from Harley Harley's and Indians were huge competition forever Plus the first two guys, Mr. Hindi, and I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head, but that's another chapter. They were they were engineers and they were into racing. The Harleys, the Harley boys, and the Davidson boys, they only did it because they had to. They didn't do it because they wanted to. But that's how we're going to end this chapter for today, so you can come back and listen another time for more. Uh, the next chapter, which will be chapter 13, is going to be on... Indian motorcycles. So we're going to end today with Chapter 12, Harley-Davidson. And thank everyone for listening, and have a great day. Thank you. Signing off.